I'm John DiLiberto, and you're hearing the Echoes podcast from PRX. 2023 was definitely a year of tangerine dream at Echoes. The current incarnation of the band toured America for the first time in years, and the trio released their album, Rom. They were interviewed on Echoes, and their current music was played pretty heavily on the show ahead of the tour. So before the year closes, I thought it'd be interesting to go back 41 years to hear my first face-to-face interview with Edgar Frosa, the founder of The Dream, who left the planet in 2015. It was the first of many interviews over the next 40 years. I talked to Frosa as part of the radio series Totally Wired, Artists and Electronic Sound. I met him at his studio in West Berlin, and this was before the Berlin Wall came down. It was still kind of a claustrophobic and disconnected sense to the city. Escaping that is part of what Tangerine Dreams music was all about. At the time, White Eagle was their latest recording, and Stuntman was Frost's latest solo release. He had already created an entirely new kind of music with Tangerine Dream on albums like Stratosphere, Rubicon, and Ricochet. Tangerine Dream has epitomized the electronic age of music recording over a hundred and fifty albums of synthesized compositions. Their film soundtracks include Sorcerer, Thief, Risky Business, and Legend. Their influence on music is vast, ranging from Donna Summer's I Feel Love to contemporary EDM. Get ready to hear from the original source, Edgar Frosa, a complete interview. Before we start dreaming, though, Christmas is coming, and we've got all kinds of gifts for the Echoes lover in your life. Not only do we have the t-shirt, but lots of other items that have the Echoes logo so you can show the world where the chill resides. The sweatshirts, hoodies, insulated mugs, and more. Go to echoes.org and click on store. All kinds of cool stuff there, including a Christmas ornament. Once again, it's at echoes, E-C-H-O-E-S dot org, O-R-G, and click on the store tab. It's hard for me to believe that Edgar Frosa was only 37 the first time I interviewed him face-to-face. I had previously spoken to him on the phone in 1977 for an article in The Drummer, a Philadelphia weekly cultural paper that was ahead of their North American tour. But I was now face-to-face with someone who was already an icon. We sat in the control room of Frosa's studio at the recording console. I set up two EV635A microphones on table stands, and we talked for over an hour about all things Dream and electronic music and Bowie coming to his studio during the Low Heroes era. This interview has never been published in print nor seen or heard in its entirety. One of the things I think I want to get into first is a lot of the new technology Mm -hmm. that's come out in the last couple of years with the computer and digital Mm -hmm. synthesis seems to be really totally changing the concept of composing and performing. That's true. I mean, when we started producing what one could call electronic music, I mean, we are very careful with that sort of terms because with everything but not electronic music when we started. Anyway, we did use the first instruments which did produce electronic sounds in 71. There were no description. We had to learn everything right away by using the instrument, which gave us a hard time. 
we went through the three main steps, analog, digital, and computer storing facilities. And uh, you're right, I mean, the development we had within the last two years was faster and more adventurous than everything which has happened since then. And so um, it brought us a few problems, you see, because in the moment we did understand the whole philosophy of uh, voltage-controlled instruments. Suddenly there was a new door opened by digital facilities. So we had to start learning all that again. After we were quite deeply into it, suddenly we had the chance to store everything we did program, which we hadn't before. So we had to learn that again. And so we started out with little tape cassettes as uh, storage units. And then we, we went over the floppy disk and, and some other possibilities. Working with electronics means you never can stop, really. It depends where you want to go to. It depends, really, if you want to explore just the techniques or if you feel some similarity between the development of the techniques and the development of your own consciousness. And I do believe that our consciousness, that our brain is working in the same electrified circulation like computers do. And so uh, it's a very close relationship between the technical development and the development of our consciousness. Apart from that, you have to be quite careful that other things are uh, treating you into the right direction. So you have to have some sort of philosophy behind it. Otherwise, you are just a computer maniac award. And that's the last thing you want to be. Do you think to a certain degree that the music of Egafros and Tangerine Dream has been shaped by the technology that's been available to you? Sure, it has somehow because um, I, but I believe the, the concept was there before. The concept was there before, but uh, you see, you have, you have to make the first step into the software. And then it's followed by the hardware. I mean, you have to have the concept, the idea about it, the idea about what you want to do, how you want to explain, express yourself. And if you want to be available as a transmitter, you as a human being, you have to be available as a transmitter. Or if you want to just go for your ego, if you, if you say, okay, I'm the one who is producing something incredibly genius. I mean, that's one way. That's the way all the superstars and rock business go. But you can go the other way. You can say, okay, I want to be there. I want to be available for some other consciousness, which is 10 times higher and bigger than my one. And I want to stay there. I want to be available for that consciousness. I want to be used as a transmitter, not taking care about my ego, about what I want to do. You understand? Mm -hmm. So that's 
That's the way we work. That's the reason why we've never reached the top 10. <laughs> Quite simple. As someone who was, or still is, but started out as a guitarist, mm -hmm. do you feel that your relationship to the music has changed as the technology has sort of removed the, the necessity for manual dexterity? Um, fascinated as a possibilities by the wide range of chances I've got to explain things which I fear or which get through my mind. I'm fascinated watching it, like watching myself doing it. But I would not say that playing a guitar has a uh, different sort of value against playing a computer. I wouldn't say that. It really depends in which way you are able to express things, you know. So a person who is just playing a wooden flute and he is doing it the honest way, it's the same value like working with a $10 million computer. No, absolute no difference between it. I never would say having so much hardware makes you a more important musician than a guy who is just playing a wood flute, you know. I would be quite, quite lucky if I would not need any sort of instrument. If I could express myself just with what I've got. I mean, let's say telepathic things or pure brain waves or sending out pure light or whatever. It must be much better. But you see, we, we lost the last thousands and thousands of years. We lost our straight connection to the consciousness which is treating us. And by losing it, we lost all the chances to be more direct. So we do need all this hardware. But it does not mean that we have to use it in a way like it's used almost. I mean, that's a different story. So you feel at one point that there was a consciousness where... Yeah, these things. yeah absolutely. And there is a consciousness, but that's a consciousness which operates on a different reality level, you know, which we do know something about if you, for instance, get very deep into meditation, if you, if you get uh, uh, quite interesting and interested in other spiritual experiences, then you know that it's there on our day-to-day -day consciousness by dealing with money, dealing with driving cars, flying planes, all that sort of thing. You can't jump out backwards, forwards all the time, you know. It's, so we've lost that kind of thing, unfortunately. But there was a time, and there will be a time, when people can communicate. And music somehow is just one form of communication. You can communicate again without anything, you know. Because the music, you see, is there. It is there. You, you do not produce it. That's the wrong way. Most of the people think, okay, I go to a concert, I sit there, and the musicians up there, they're producing music. That's wrong. I mean, the music is there before you even started pressing one single key. If it would not be there, you were not able to press a key and to get a sound out of the speaker, out of your hand or whatever from. And that's easy, easy. It's a very serious philosophy behind it. It's everything there. Man never really founded anything. They just 
change the materialized structure. They brought it from the un invisible to the visible part. They brought it from the uh, frequency ranges, call it that way, which are not on our audible level. You know, they brought it into the frequency which we can listen to. You know? It's very strange. It's a, it's a long story. If we get into that, you film ten tapes. You know, <laughs> just about that, because there are a lot of secrets behind it. I mean, secrets for us. It must be some sort of uh, ego loss to to come to these conclusions. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, if you're interested to present yourself as a, as a person with a name, with a given name, which you want to carry on with to the end of your life and want to get very famous and very rich, then you never reach that sort of thinking. You, know? you, you have to forget it. You, know? you really am. You are not the one. In the early days of electronic music, when people like Varese and Stockhausen and Babbitt and all these people were first getting involved with it, they looked at, at electronic instruments, even the primitive ones that they had at that time, as being a way of freeing music from the diatonic scale, the, mm -hmm. the concept of the liberation of sound that, that Varese. Do you think that that's happened? Do you feel that that's something that these instruments make available to you? Yeah. I mean, watching yourself, you realize that changing your consciousness means to escape from somewhere. And even the people you just mentioned, they wanted to escape from old-fashioned things. They wanted to escape from a way of producing music which did not express the time feeling anymore. You know, it was not, it was not the, the consciousness these people did live in, you know, and so they wanted to escape to somewhere else. The facilities, the hardware, were quite primitive. But it doesn't matter, you see, if you start exploring a new area, a new field, you can't wait till everything is set up absolutely perfect. You have to start somewhere on the ground, you know, on the ground level. And it's a hard work. You don't get any applause, and no one even notice what you're doing. But it has to be done. It has to be done because other people, they have to build on what you've done. And they're doing it much better, and then others stepping into the plan and doing it much better than. So that's the evolution of arts through all the centuries. Do you think the synthesizer is uh, possibly a way towards a more universal type of music? Before you can talk about a universal type of music, it's necessary to know that there has to be first a universal type of consciousness. If you found it that, or if people can train themselves to reach a level which makes everything really unique, then you can talk about making the music very cosmopolitical. But the synthesizer is it's a good helper to reach that point. So a lot of people working on a software part, and some others working on a hardware part. And so somehow it will meet within the next, hopefully within the next 10, 20 years. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not too optimistic about um, finding a universal language and music within the next two or three years. I'm really not. 
because uh, the taste in music is so different and so unacceptable somehow. You know? I think when I say universal, I mean, I guess when you, when you say universal, you, th you think of everybody liking it or everybody understanding it. But I think maybe just universal in the sense of it cutting across cultural boundaries for certain kinds of people, I guess. For instance, um, an album like Phaedra or Rubicon, which was all the sounds on it were, were very new at the time. The forms were very new. And plus they were transmitted by mass media, you know, all over the world. So that instead of having people relating to music that was based in cultural biases of hundreds and hundreds of years, like Indian music, you know, which goes back, you know, centuries and, and you know, Asian music and everything, that, you know, there was this new this new sound that sort of tied together a lot of these cultural biases, but brought it up onto a newer plane. That's very good when you said, I mean, it's exactly what we wanted to. I mean, I can't say if we reached any higher mark on the scale by doing it, but it's the aim, that's true. It's the aim that in, in top of the culture, beyond everything which you could call a national development in arts, beyond that, there must be something which really keeps everything together which will be understood by a person in Japan or Australia or mid-America or England or France or wherever. We are all in, in some ways programmed the same way. And we are just different because of the way we are educated, the way other people have established our social background and the chances we've got to keep ourselves going, to set up our life in the way we like to do it first, till we understood the idea, what I was talking about in the very beginning, that there is a different consciousness, which we have to follow definitely. But till that point, when you did know and have seen that quite clear, till that point, you are just... Um, Somewhere on a chain by government leading the country and, and all that sort of thing. And, and that makes us somehow different. But beyond that, which is just a game, you know, but beyond that, we are all one. There's nothing different. And an artist, if he is honest, always has to try to find that point where all human beings feel the same, understand the same, and have that same sort of consciousness level. When you can't say, okay, I'm in, in arts, I'm producing arts, I'm a painter, I'm a writer, I'm a musician, and I want to reach the average class of culture feeling in Kansas, right? I mean, it's stupid to say that. But if you say, okay, I wanna, my aim is to work for people who are familiar with the consciousness, which is far beyond their day-to-day -day life, I mean, perfect. Go is that way. And you can't be wrong. In, in the music of Dream, there's been an evolution from, let's say, Sight, which was the most formless, I guess, or at least the one with the least amount of rhythms and, and melodies, 
to your more current work, which is highly rhythmic and highly melodic. Yeah, we we had a few problems because when we uh, did produce side, for instance, we were not just farmers. We were not interested in in any sort of. Um, I don't want to call it success. I we did not care that much about what other people would say about it. And we felt quite happy having that attitude because it gave us a complete total freedom, you know, not thinking about money or record companies. And we just did what we found we have to do. And then after a couple of years, we were somehow jailed into that dabbled circle of, yeah, it, it really is. I mean, in the end, it depends if you can escape or not. First, you step into it, selling records, earning money, getting your questions from the record company, what to do next to sell even more records. And if you want, somehow it's successful. And if you could prove yourself by sending a lot of records, and if the record company realized, okay, there are some guys that could make us a lot of money, then you were in the devil's circle, you know. And then it starts, you know, whether you want to go for the left side or the right side. It really depends, but you have to make your decision. And um, we first said, no, we, we, we want to go on, like we, we did it through all the years, and we got a lot of problems. One thing which we did not realize at all was that the audience did not follow us in the way we thought they could do it. A lot of them called us little idiots, and uh, today it's quite funny to talk about it, but years ago, six, seven years ago, it was awful, you know, because you've tried to do your best, and you've got always a reaction like uh, you've produced another package of wash powders. People did not realize that, that he wanted to say something. You did not want just to entertain people. You wanted to say something. Purely, you wanted to give them a medicine, you know? A medicine which doesn't hurt, which does not damage your brain, does any harm to your body or whatsoever. It just can be used as a pleasure, can be used as a transport through your consciousness development, that's all. And people quite often misunderstood it. Okay, what's that? Just noises. And so after a few years again, we said, look, if we go on that way, we uh, don't do anything good. We don't satisfy the record company, which would not have been the most critical situation. Okay, then we would have jumped out of the boat. But um, the people don't understand it. So what we can do? We decide, okay, look, let's take the rhythm back first. Because for two or three records, we did not add too much rhythm. Let's use the sequence a bit more so that people could feel the ground they're familiar with, you know. Rhythms are always something you can relate to, even if you don't understand what goes on at the top. So uh, people can relate to the rhythm that they've got a beat, you know. And let's add all the so-called strange sounds on top of it. 
so that they triggered by their subconsciousness, which did work quite well on it. This with Phaedra and Rubicon? Yeah. Yeah. That was the, the, the time when we, when we started using the sequence of quite heavily. Okay, it did work. You don't think it did work? I think it did work, uh -huh. yeah. I mean, I cannot, or I don't want to measure success on um, record reviews or concert, concert reviews. Or, but I do measure it somehow on letters again. And there are thousands and thousands of letters from all over the world, which not just asking for autographs, people who are writing long, long pages, telling us their experiences they had with the music. And so most of them are completely right. So there is some sort of correspondence which gives us the, the power to go on that way. Tangerine Dream's always been one of the, the few groups who consistently play their music live. Why is it do you think that most groups don't, in fact, play live anymore? Especially fewer and fewer, it seems, as the technology gets more advanced, yeah. fewer groups are bringing it to the stage. Yeah, it's a, I know why we do it, but uh, I do understand other bands as well who we say, okay, it's too complicated now. Let's forget it. Just working in a studio, releasing records, but not touring anymore. On the other hand, I think it's a very deep experience for people who get in contact with thousands of others at the same time. And if all of them producing their sort of reality inside their consciousness on one particular place, which gives them a deeper experience than just sitting in front of a, a record set at home. And, and it's that sort of electricity, that sort of what I call electromagnetic phenomena. If you, for some reason, put more brain power together on one plate than normally would be there. You see, to say quite clear, if you put 10,000 people in one place and all these 10,000 people have somehow the same feeling subconsciously, there is such an incredible power set it free at the same time, which can do a lot of good things to all of us. That's the philosophy behind it. That's why we're touring. It's not to entertain people, forget that. In the early days, even in the more recent days, a dream performance was mostly improvisation. Uh, 150%. <laughs> I say 150% because we wanted to reach 100%. Yeah. A lot of things happens which were so unexpected and so adventurous that we most of the time call it, okay, we improvise 150%. <laughs> Why did you go towards improvisation, which would which seem to be a much chancier situation with electronics? I mean, we, we had to realize by working with computers that you can't jump into a TV screen like we use it for getting listed our data and, and uh, all the functions. You can't jump into a, a TV screen and say, okay, 
get me out all the accounts I want to want to improvise. I mean, it has to be programmed. It has a good fear doing it, and it has a bad one, because the only way we can improvise now it's just playing the keyboard, playing the keyboard, or I like doing it, playing the guitar, and interact on um, special agreements we made by using our instruments, because even computers can be interconnected between the three of us in a way that we are free to do certain things without just watching the memory running, you know, so it's possible doing it and we do it. But we lost a bit of the spontaneous fear, which was a pity. But then we had to go back to the early days just using analog equipment where you have to press button turning knobs all the time to keep the machine in tune, to keep the sequence running, to uh, not being able to store any function of the filter or of, of the envelopes. But that would mean a lot of things we can express now by setting up a certain type of sound. We could not express anymore that way. You know? So the advantage of computers is to have a very clear and very good sound, which makes the experience of music much more acceptable, and uh, to be a bit more accurate in what you want to do or in what you feel you have to do. There was a point, and I'm not sure if I've ever seen this, but I've heard about it, where in a live performance, Tangerine Dream would the group would walk off the stage and let the synthesizers play themselves. No, not true. Not true? Absolutely not true. We never, ever did that. Never, ever. Yeah. Good. Because, <laughs> I mean, that would mean to fool people, you know. Mm -hmm. And we never would fool anybody. Because um, we don't want to make a hardware exhibition with a climax. Okay, look, the machine is doing it. I mean, no. Crossfork seems to exploit that, though. Okay, if they like the to do it. up on the stage. If they like to do it, <laughs> it's, it's a good ride to do yeah. that. <laughs> but uh, I don't feel very familiar with that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. It seems one aspect of the change, once again going from Zeit to the more recent things, is that an album like Zeit and even Phaedra and Rubicon, I guess, were much slower albums and, and required there are fewer events happening within a, a very long time span, whereas your newer things have many events happening in a shorter time span. That's true. And it's, uh, once again, it's the feeling of time which runs our consciousness has speeded up. The way we live our day-to-day -day life, it's much faster now than it was 10 years ago. And that circumstances which you have to deal with. I mean, watch yourself, things you, you've done 10 years ago, you've done it just relaxed without any, I mean, a day was a week and a week was a month and a year. Oh, Christ, a long time. And now you, you get up early in the morning, you have to make a plan for your day. Not because of the business, 
which you have to do. It's a feel that your life has some other sense than just to live it as comfortable as possible. Yeah? And a lot of people have that fear. And by getting that feel, you, I mean, you have to change your attitude. You have to bring things together which are needed to be put it together, you know. And so events can't be brought on a line with gaps of minutes and minutes and minutes between it, you know. You have to force people to realize that time gets shorter and shorter to reach some state of consciousness which is necessary to reach within the next seven, eight years. So um, you have to realize that you must be a bit quicker in getting your information, wherever from. Music is just one part. I mean, we are working in music. Other people that do their writings or filmmakers or whatsoever, you know, they all have to get information together which are more sensible, which makes more sense to people to listen to it or read it. And you can't spend time and just doing your blah, 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 you know. You have to be more honest, more serious about things. Otherwise, you do not fulfill the sense of your place you've got in arts. Otherwise, you are the entertainer. You are there, but you've missed the right way on a cross point. That's true, and it's quite serious. It does not mean that you have to lose your humor. Once again, I mean... You have to have a lot of humor about things. Everything has to be placed at the right point. One aspect of Tangerine Dream that I've only recently become aware of, and it may have been there all the time, but that first noticed it with the Exit album was, was that you were very much involved with politics. Yeah, but not in a way like people may normally do, because we do not understand ourselves as a, a part of the protest movement. So we have to realize that being part of any aggressive movement will not change anything. And by just making people fearful about possible wars, huge accidents in the world, you know, is in in a reaction doing the complete opposite of what you want to do. When you to say, okay, look, there is a big, huge war coming up quite near to us now. Help it, help it. Well, then you call it, and it will be there. I mean, you you have to be careful about it. And you have to explain to people in which way they can get round dangerous situations. On the other hand, you have to keep it positively. Absolutely. I mean, you don't call it in a very, very dark period. No one can get around then you don't get around. You jump right into it. So uh, don't forget that everything we ran into, it's born inside our brain. So there is no excuse for whatever men do. They've done it by themselves. So they can't say, oh, Christ, what happens now? Who has done that to me? I've done it to me personally. So the more I'm talking about wars, the more I'm asking for wars. It's a law which works through thousands and thousands of years. Not no way around it. Like the people in Germany, in the darkest period of the country, 
between 1914 and 1945 was a gap between which they call we've got freedom which wasn't the freedom at all the war still went on was just interrupted in this dark period of Germany people were asking for war no one really did say okay we want to occupy Germany or we want to destroy the country the Germans themselves they did ask for war and they've got it so if people are really asking for freedom for peace if they really do they get it as well but I can't talk with one tongue about peace and with the other one about uh, hopefully we don't, we don't have a war we, we don't have a war forget it out over and believe in it they don't have one it's a wrong way to stand up and say okay I want to shot down Mr. Reagan otherwise he got shot down somehow someday and what, what's the result the next Mr. Reagan steps into the scenery you know, and then the next one and the next one it's, it's nothing about that I mean all the politicians around the world are somehow ill they are they're psychopathics you know because that's a, that, that's a way they were able to jump into that business. I mean, they, they want to develop their ego. But it's a wrong way to hate these people for what they are doing. You understand? It's, it's, it's a law again. Don't hate people. I mean, it's so hard to say, okay, love Mr. Reagan. It's hard, but do it. It's a very strange story about that. But if all the people who now hate this politician could say, okay, that guy has struggled. He honestly don't know what he is doing. But don't hate him for that. Try to help him. Change your consciousness. And at the same time, you will change his. If you do that, then you can do much better. And, and the way to survive very optimistic Irish <laughs> yeah I know and um, but there is no definitely no other way I mean I know you see a year ago we did um, a concert for peace in Berlin we brought over about 95,000 people together on one place for one evening we're talking to them playing our music fine was a great mood and uh, we try to get across as much as possible about how consciousness should be used that concert never ever since then get published anywhere get notified anywhere nothing but the spirit is there the people who were there at, at that time they did understand. They really did. I mean, a lot of people who got that sort of message, they would not hate anybody any, anymore. You know? And it's, it's wrong. You see, if you are a very aggressive person and you want to do any harm to me, under normal circumstances, I would stand up and starting being aggressive as well. And so we've got to fight. And then may I lose 
or I win or you lose or you win. But what's the result? In the end, we both lost. You understand? So there is, if you want Star to be aggressive, there is no, no winner, no chance to, to win anything. <laughs> when people think of the music of, of Tangerine Dream, I think the first thing they think of is electronic yeah. music. Yeah. But the second thing they think of is space music. Yeah. Why not? I mean, when we started, we called it cosmic music. Unfortunately, the people we worked with in the business occupied it as a trademark and used it terribly. And, and nearly everything they produced on their label was called cosmic music because they realized it will be selling much better than they just called it dance music or rock and roll or whatever. And as soon as we've realized that, we cut it, all these explanations off and we said we don't want to have anything to do with it. But specifically because we were betrayed, you know, on the other hand, we still call it that way. And we feel very much obliged with everything which has something to do with space. I mean, what people are talking about. One guy wrote in one of the newspapers, I don't know, why they call it spacey. I live on Earth. Now, sure, he lives on Earth. But where Earth is located, bloody idiot. I mean, <laughs> we are not in the middle of nowhere. We are located very precise and very accurate on an orbit which has an interconnection to so many other planets, you know? And we are part of that, you know? So we are part of space. I mean, that's what we are. Get away all these uh, chances for the business to make a hell of money, you know? If you take it as pure as possible, I mean, you have to realize that there is nothing else you can get so familiar with than thinking about where you are, what you are, and which way you're familiar with things around you. I think it kind of gets back to what we were talking about earlier about the universal music. Mm -hmm. Is that, I mean, the one thing that's clearly universal is that we are oh, sure. in space. Sure. I mean. When you talk with the Stockhausen, he could tell you a lot of very true things about where where signals and music comes from, you know. It's very familiar with these series, Osiris, Stern, messages, which are true, as well as there is life on Venus, life of Mar on, on Mars. Millions of people live there, Christ. I mean, why, why, why our race is so arrogant not to notice that? The moon is full of life. Everywhere, all the planets are crowded. I tell you that, it's the truth. I stay here and I tell you it's the truth. I know that it's the truth. The only reason is, you see, they live on a different frequency level. Everything is part of the electromagnetic wave system. And things we do not see, we are teached not to accept because it's not part of our world, see? But things are there. So we don't see it, we can't touch it, and so it's not there. I mean, there are, lies, there are life forms which do live in millions degrees of heat, or millions degrees of 
cold weather. Yeah. They do. It's another life form, another consciousness, another frequency range, another wave system. But it's there. A few scientists know that. But some of them are straightly put it into the lunatic asylum or they um, are called little idiots so often that they've lost their jobs and so on. You know? That's the truth. As well as we are watched. We are watched completely. I mean, flying saucers, for instance. They are not coming from millions of light years away. I mean, stupid. They are here, located here. Millions of them. And they get off the ground. And you suddenly see them because they perfect change from one wavelength into another wavelength, which makes it visible for you. That's so precise and accurate that they can do it. It's another life form. They are here. I mean, it's, it, they don't have to come from millions of light years away. Millions of light years away, there are other consciousness. There are other vehicles traveling around space. But they have, don't, not, they have to come from there. They're here, located on Earth. Well, not a funny story. It's a truth, believe me. <laughs> I think someone from a more objective standpoint might say, uh, show me. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's the same reaction. You, yeah. think you do believe what you can see. You know? But most of the things you don't see. Most of the things. What you see, it's just 3%. That what, that's the farthest point the science went so far that realize from the visible part of our frequency range we can talk about that is three percent not more you don't see more than three percent what's about the other 97 do they exist or not they do exist but you don't see it you even don't touch it suddenly some things get visible people talking about phenomena you know it's a very strange phenomena. It's not a strange phenomena. It's there. It's always there. And it's nothing wrong with that. We're just trained to look through a small slit, you know, in a window and think, okay, that's our world. It's a beautiful world. But it's just a little part of it. You know? We have to learn to step beyond it. That's the real life we live. It's just a picture, a very small and very, somehow very bad picture. It's a real huge painting. You have to realize that. So do you think that the uh, relative abstraction of your music is uh, expressive of this? Totally. Totally. And, and a few people, they did not understand it because there is nothing to understand about. It's not a, that you could say, okay, my mental structure is formed in a way that I do understand what these people are talking about. You can't do it that way, because we even don't know how to express it in language, you know. There is a, f a feel and a subconscious treatment behind it, which just, just can be received subconsciously. Then people say, okay, I've got the feel, it could be that and that, and they try to put it into words. And out of this correspondence, we could realize, okay, they've got the same reaction about it, you know, so there must be on the same line. But it's all, I mean, our language is so limited. 
doesn't matter if I top in German or in English or French or whatever. You know, it, it still would be limited. And it's not wrong if one would say languages in general are the best way to misunderstand each other. That's true. Totally true. One single word could have so many different meanings. How to say very accurate what you wanted to say. I mean, how to do that? That's so difficult. And music is a uh, very abstract form of message. You see, you don't say so definite that, uh, I mean, normally one would say, okay, the more definite you talk about things, the more definite the reaction will be. That's completely wrong. I mean, as long as you cut off the freedom the other guy has to have to travel backwards, forwards, with what you're talking about. The more you cut off that freedom, the more you bring him into a trail position of thinking, you know. It's very, it's, uh, anyway. Have you lived in Berlin all your life? Yeah, I do travel a lot, but uh, it's my permanent residence. How do you feel that is, I mean, it's a very unusual place on the planet. Right? It's, uh, it's a good learning procedure on one hand, and it's very frustrating on the other. Learning procedure because you have to understand how people do live with less than what you've got just by crossing the border, which is a very good experience because it keeps you thinking that you don't should be so proud what you've got in materialized things and, and life, you know, because... People over there, they could be called poor, but uh, they have the right to live their life, and they do it. You know, so not talking about the, about communism. I mean, that's a different story. Just taking the people as human beings and watching them how they live. And um, the um, frustrating part is that, for instance, the government here spending millions and millions of uh, dollars into the city to keep a body going which was not living anymore for a long time because Berlin may has this one of the strongest undergrounds in the world but as soon as you watch average class people and if you watch their way of building up culture and spending money and spending their their spare time and what things are ever they feel like it's just a madhouse, you know. It's, there's nothing sensible in it, you know. And uh, West Berlin has the highest suicide rate of the whole world. I don't know if you know that. It has. Because the sense of life is somehow cut it off in that hand. And I could explain why, but it's long and... Uh, See, so I just tell you what, what the facts are, you know. People are frustrated and don't know why. No one can help them, except they leave. They have to leave town to get rid of it. And it's, it's, it's so strange, you know. So many psychologists and scientists did work on that phenomenon, but no one could help it. They, they know somehow what goes on. When you... For one reason, you can't get out of town. Yeah. If you want to drive by car, you have to drive exactly two hours and a half to reach West Germany. 
That's the nearest point. If you want to fly out, okay, it's just half an hour. But you can't say, okay, I sit in my car and I drive because it's a, what, sunny Sunday, I drive from Philadelphia to New York. Can't do that. You drive half an hour and then you see a wall. You drive half an hour in the other direction, you see a wall. And so you can go around in circuits, which is one point, which is maybe not uh, so bad if you've got a sunny day, you know. But if it's a, we've got days in Berlin, really, I mean, if, if you are in a bad mood or if you, your girlfriend has lost you or whatever emotionally can be happens to a person. And if then you're sitting in a town of Berlin and the, the clouds are hanging deep and everything is gray and it's rainy, you know, it's, it's very obvious. And a lot of people just say, okay, I want to escape finalize and finish their life. Do you think uh, that these feelings are reflected in your music at all? No, not at all. Because you see, we do understand how to get around these things, you know, we do. How to get in touch with other energies, which are much more powerful than a, than a gray sky. And uh, we are not affected by any of Well, that in itself is an effect, right, that you have to go for these other energies or maybe that's if you were in another locale, yeah. Yeah. it wouldn't happen. I mean, it's, uh, so that's why we are quite thankful to get all these lessons, particularly in that town, because we went through all these great periods and dark periods. We had to find out how to get around it and how to get in contact with other energy fields, which gives you the positive power, you know which is possible to do. And uh, the other thing is that there are different sort of atmospheric corridors between the ground level and upper regions. And these corridors are very strong in, in certain areas in the world. For instance, New York has a very strong one. Palm Springs has a very strong one. Berlin has a very strong one as well, but you have to know where. Sydney has a very strong one. The London near London is one which is quite good, but not so strong. And if you know that, and you go to these places at certain times of the year, it helps. And if you know how to use these energies, you can live with that. And you, you have just a better life. I mean, it's, you can't stand there and say, okay, no, let the energy flow through me. I mean, you have to do something else in, in addition to it to build up your consciousness. But uh, it's very important to know that. Um, you've been doing lots of soundtracks lately, I mm -hmm. understand. Soundtracks or films we are not always happy with. We just realized to stop it for quite a few times. I mean, not to stop doing soundtracks, but to stop doing certain types of film. So we definitely don't want to get involved again in any sort of films where Shootings and killings, for instance, is a main part of the film. Definitely not. We had to do it three times by accident, honestly by accident, because contracts were made by somebody else. And we could not see the film, and we got promised that it's a clean film in a way we understand it. And we got fooled. And so uh, we don't want to step into that again. You made the music without seeing the films? Yeah. 
for like Thief. Thief was a film when we read the script and the contract was made that we saw the film. I mean, Thief was a film was, which had some sort of social attitude because it had a bad guy and the bad guy wanted to go for something better, you know, and didn't want to become a part of that mafia clan and jumped out of the race. And, uh, I don't want to say from a human point the film is acceptable, but there's some sort of uh, things you could follow with because that's a situation most of the people are familiar with wherever they work, wherever they live. They're always called the losers, you know, and everybody wants to win somehow. And so that film has shown on a very critical basis that somebody can win if he not gets part of, of the bad side always. I mean, if you could see it that way, maybe not. But anyway, that film, it's, it's all right. But uh, there were some other films which I can't agree with at all. And I even don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I'd be curious what they were, though, besides Sorcerer. Uh, Sorcerer. You see, Sorcerer, we've, we've done after, just after reading the script. And, uh, and Fritkin got the tape, and, and then he started producing the film. And I didn't know uh, Wages of Fear from him. The first time where the film was done in the 50s, which uh, was a remarkable film. And even, even Sorcerer, I would say, was a, quite a good movie, but a lot of things were completely changed after we've done the music. And so, and the director, Fritkin, went off, went off the train just two months before the film was released. So even the, the final product was not what he wanted to do. So it was a complete mixed up situation again. And then there are other films we did work for, one called Wavelength, one called Soldier. Professional films, no question around it. I mean, most of the films who are produced with a high budget are somehow professional. So I don't want to say anything against the film. The films are quite good, just my or the band's attitude against uh, aggressions, against uh, sort of violent activities are totally different than that it's shown in the film. When you're uh, playing live and you step out and start playing electric guitar, mm. how does that feel after sitting behind, you know, with all your computers and everything, all of a sudden you step out and... It was quite strange uh, the first years when I did it because, you see, I, I never tried to be the front man, you know. What for? I mean... What direction? I am what I am, but uh, I never felt in any way able to entertain people by moving around stage and no, no sense for me doing it. But I did realize that people get more familiar with things they get used to. I mean, a guitarist is standing up playing the guitar, okay, so why not? I stood up and played the guitar. On the other hand, I could have stood behind my keyboards playing the guitar. Anyway, and I don't want to, not like a guitarist normally would act, I don't want to make anybody hot down there. You know? I just want to add a different color and sound and a different uh, um, way of expressing myself because expressing yourself by playing keyboards is different than pressing strings, you know, it's a different feel and it's more 
ultimate way of getting the tone, you know, in my opinion. And so I love doing it. That's all, not more, not less. Are you, I don't know exactly the capabilities of the PPG, but is, are you familiar with the emulator? Yeah, I've heard about it. Yeah. Is, is the PPG, does it have that capability? Uh, it's, it's different because, um, as far as I understood the emulator, it's, uh, you have to work with floppy disk and given sounds. And, uh, the PPG, I mean, that type of event and processor units, that's what it's called. It's working from a zero basis. So you've got no given sounds at all. You you collect everything by synthesizing wave different waveforms. And you've got a uh, overtone scale out of which one you can collect the frequency range you want to work with. To say it in technical terms, there is no filter built in. You see a filter works by cutting off frequencies or uh, expanding frequencies. But that instrument just is adding other waveforms. You could have a waveform analyzers. You easily can uh, select some frequencies between 50 hertz and 100 hertz, bottom graph. Or you can go with a pure overtone scale can figure out what's the overstone scale of an oboe is. And you say, okay, I don't want to have an oboe. I love to have the overtone scale, but I want to add some other frequency into the frequency range of an oboe. So I do have an oboe, but I have on top of it something else which does not sound like an oboe. So I've got a, a complete strange form of an oboe, <laughs> you see? So we are not so much interested in copying natural instruments. We, we try to have the, the little tricks that people in the first place associate the sound with some natural instrument, but then immediately realizing there is something else which does not sound like a natural instrument. Like the example I've given you with the oboe. There is, there is something else. It's a saxophone or it's a, it's a wood flute or it's a guitar. What is it? It's an oval, but it isn't an oval. And so that's the the way we we try to work by using melody lines or um, using chords. So we add different things from different edges. Do you feel your music is composed or constructed? Uh, Oh. I would say it's composed. Yeah, it's it's composed because I mean the definition between composed and constructed means for me you can compose a piece of music just once, and you can construct a piece of music in hundred different ways. But if you want to have a given influence. Or if you feel you have to work in certain ways, you can compose one piece of music just one time. And you have to wait for the right moment to do it. And then you have to do it as good as possible with all the knowledge you have. And then that's it. Don't touch it anymore. That's the way we we try to express ourselves. And um, 
if you would say we call it, let's construct a piece of music, then you can say, okay, let's build the roof first or the ground first. Or leave it just the way it is, and uh, you can do what you want to do. You know, and see if you if you compose quite seriously, it's it's going through you. You, what I said before, you address the transmitter. Do you think that the synthesizers, as the technology is getting more and more advanced, that it's shortening the distance between the concept in your mind and its actual production? That's a crucial point, always, because between the moment you have an idea or you have a feel or you you have the um, spontaneous vibration you know to do certain things and the final product you can hear by pressing the tape machine is such a long way most of the time you lose more than 50% of the original idea even if a musician would not agree with me but if you try to figure out what the way really is you, you will get the same result and, and quite often you lose more than 50% the idea of producing a sound and getting the sound of tape it's so long that you do lose more than 50% of the original idea quite often more than 50% a lot of things can happen between the idea and between the final process. So there is no chance up to now to get a very direct translation from your feelings, your emotions into a sound, into a given piece of music in there. What's going to happen when they come up with the cap you just put it on your head and you think music. And there's a lot of research happens on that. The only problem is if if you pick up your brain waves. Your brain waves are on a wavelength which is just around ten hertz. And with ten hertz your very heart can trigger or manipulate any sort of instrument. So it would mean that you have transformed these waves in such a complicated way to make it useful for any sort of interconnection between hardware. It's not possible to do it at the moment. We even thought about getting getting pickups right on the urn synapses, you know, but, um, but even that would, would bring a lot of problems, you know? because you just could start then figuring out what to do with so many signals, you don't know how to bring it in the right order, what sort of signals are it. And, and all that sort of thing. And, uh, I mean, there are other researches going on, which uh, means you don't have to to pick up 
the frequencies in the old-fashioned way, I mean, to, to use your brain power, your, your, I don't want to call it brain power, there's something else. You can use it and, and, uh, if, if I would say use it the telepathic way, I use it in a telekinetic way, I mean, it's, it's wrong because it's not the right term for it. But it's something in that direction. So you can tape, definitely that's proved, you can tape thickness by concentrating yourself very, very strongly on the magnetic field which is on the tape. So you can bring the magnetic field, which has to be a different one, like you find it on a normal tape recorder, on a normal and quarter-inch tape, for instance. There have to be tapes with a different magnetic field. But that magnetic field can be brought into a different order by using your brain power. But that's just that about it. Even that, it's a long story to talk about. Do you find that the synthesizer has kind of forced the electronic musician to understand more about acoustics and, and overtones and, and the shape of oh, no. Oh, yeah. You see, when we started, we we were so stupid, you know. We didn't know, we didn't know what a tone is, you know. We thought, okay, if somebody's playing the violin on one string with a bow, he's playing one tone. Much later, we found it out by using oscillators, um, Okay, there is this sinus. Okay, sinus is a pure tone. What does it mean to have a pure tone? I thought a tone is a tone. And so, you know, that, that you learn a lot of things about overtone scales, that a tone is split in different ranges, you know, that you've got the, for instance, on a violet tone, that you've got the very irregular overtone scale with a lot of random effects. That's why it's so hard and so difficult to store natural instruments on synthesizers, you know? because it's not just to copy the frequency range of a flute or of, of a violin or of a guitar. It's the random effect all these instruments have. For instance, a flute, the way you blow the flute, the way you've got all these irregular sounds around it, you know, makes it very complicated to store natural sounds. So um, it's the best way to learn. I would say it's the best way to learn uh, the, the, uh, the philosophy about music in general, what, what's behind and, and tone, what, what, a, what a single tone is, what the familiar situation between tone, tone scales and all that, all the parameters and music. It's very, it's very good. Where is it all heading? Where is all this technology and heading in terms of music? All this, it trusts there to understand hopefully one day that there is a much simpler way to produce music. Really, it, 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 it sounds a bit crazy, but my personal aim is to produce music one day without using all that. Getting rid of the whole studio. 
just concentrating my brain power in a certain direction, in a certain procedure, of course, to tape music or to store music or transmit music without all this hardware. And it's definitely, it's true, you can do it. But uh, we are too stupid in the man. We don't know how to do it. We've got just uh, some ideas and some researches are done and, and so it's very slow, very slow. But our aim definitely is not just to get a 10 day show in Las Vegas to entertain people or anywhere on that entire planet. Even if we don't earn any penny on it or for it, to go a very difficult way and uh, to find out what what's behind our America. What is the uh, interaction like in the group? Because you are kind of the it's, uh, fun man. Uh, tell me just in a, in a few sentences how we, how we practice. Because that explains best what the interaction is. So we talk about everything else, accord music. We don't see us every day. We may practice once a month. We try to understand and feel each of us as good as possible. Like with Christopher, I'm working with for about 10 years now. So even if I see a shadow of him touching some sort of instrument, I could tell you what, what gets out of it. After such a long time, it's not necessary anymore to talk about music or to, to sit down and practice. It's not music anymore. It's an energy change. And it's so immediate that it's like one person would play the piece, you know. It does not matter if, if there is one, two, three, four, five guys. As soon as they do understand themselves mentally, if they do know the other one very good, then it works. So um, we do not practice the normal way. We do know when we've got power enough to sit down and to make a recording in a record session. You know? We work quite a bit with bio curves. Bio, bio curves. Bio rhythms. Bio rhythms. Mm -hmm. And um, so each of us knows quite good if he is in a complete deep, then we better get him out of the studio into a very good atmosphere where he can relax a bit. <laughs> it's senseless to work at that particular moment, just wasting your time. So during all the years, we've got quite a good training. So it was a, a deep cut for us after six years to, unfortunately, to get Peter out of the band, you know, Peter Baum, but it had to be. It was now no way around it. Took us now nearly three years to get Johannes, the new member, into nearly the same position like Peter had. Over about three years of getting into each other. Not just, I mean, he is a good keyboard player. There was no need to say, okay, how you press your A minor, I press it that way. I mean, the, the chance. So it was not that way of, uh, of practicing songs. It was more telling him what we understand by uh, playing our stuff and what our philosophy is. And we did learn quite a lot from him, what he wanted to say and the way he is receiving his energy. Now we can interact 
since half a year. Yeah, it's about half a year. Since half a year, we could say, okay, we are a band now. Again, till that point, we were just loose ends, you know. So records like Cyclone, Force Mature, and even Exit, and Safe, nothing of it. That's what we wanted to do. All these records are just searches, compromises. Records which were necessary to do, but far away from what we wanted to say. So our channels were not open to change energies from one to the other. And with, uh, with the last one, was White Eagle. It's the first record since Encore where we could say, okay, that's what we wanted to say. So you see, it's a long time for musicians to, to get together. But on a different level, you see, it's, it's, we do understand the band as a spiritual platform. There's nothing like uh, composing a song, you know, it's, it's really a, a spiritual way of composing. And that needs to know each other. And even when Peter left the band, or we agreed to each other to go um, separate ways, then we try to find the right musician. I mean, it's quite simple to say, okay, like many, many bands have the same problem, you know. One guy is leaving, let's get the next one in. You know, you make a rehearsal a few times and you found it, or even not, and it's bad splits. And we've got all the, all the big names, you know. Really, I was wondering about that. A lot of big names were willing to join the band would have enough to play it. There's nothing nothing which which we could do about it, you know. It did not work. They wanted to tell us their story, you know, their super story and like um, I always stand five five stars hotels. I always driving a Mercedes six hundred. I always I've got a big house, I've got a big pool there. It's nothing we wanted to talk about. We wanted to to know if the energy flow is the right one. Even didn't want to know the name or the uh, instrument. You know, it's just the energy. Even if, if it would have been a guy who would have just played wood flute, yeah. not necessarily had to be a synthesizer. We were just searching for somebody who got the right energy level. Couldn't find one. And then suddenly we, we went, went to, to a theater, to avant-garde theater. And there was a guy who uh, was mixing the sound for the theater. Complete unknown guy. And by accident we, I say by accident, I mean someone, it had to be that way. We were talking to him and we met a few studio sessions. And it did work from the first second. It was just there. I mean, not practically, it was horrifying. I mean, the sound was terrible and everything he did was terrible. But the energy was there, it was the right spiritual level. So he said, look, may it takes us three or four records, which are not that good. But then we are much higher than we are right now. And we were quite right. So it took us three years, not to teach him, but teaching in correspondence. Now we've got a product which we are, I would say, 80% happy with. What albums have you been 100% happy with? We won't produce in an hour and a half time. <laughs>
No. No. It's, 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 it's not possible because you see, you try to do your best, but you are a human being with all the mistakes a human being has. And so you can't go for 100%. You're very, very lucky if you reach 80%. Very lucky. Do you have any uh, plans to come to the United States again, performing? You see, it's, it's quite easy to say, oh, I would love it. I'm sure. Uh, uh. No, I don't would love to. Not at the moment. I'm very honest about it. Maybe in a year's time or in two years, it's maybe better. Because I tell you honestly, the, the spiritual situation in America, it's not very good. There are quite a few people who are working so hard to get the country into a new direction. But they have to be more, 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 you know, because you have to cut off more your request for materialized things. Otherwise, you step into a disaster, just a disaster, you know. And what I said before, I personally don't want to talk about disasters. I want to talk about chances, positive things. But if you step into a country, which is quite dark at the moment, you know, it's so hard to make people believe that there are so many positive things they should go for. I mean, it's, it's a learning procedure people have to do. What I may would like to do, it's not maturing uh, big auditoriums. What I may would like to do, it's playing colleges. Not doing the big thing. I mean, I don't believe in the big thing at all. Playing a thousand or two thousand seaters right through the country just to make sure not always reaching the people who just want to get entertained. You know? Because, you see, if you've got 20 people in the audience who are so powerful, full of energy, and, and people you can connect yourself with, Immediately, you know it. When, when I go, go out of stage, I can tell you it's a spiritualized audience or it's, it's an audience which you can't communicate at all. And it's sort of electrifying fear. Yeah. And if there are some people in the audience and the others aren't ready for what you want to say, you disturb them so completely that they may, may give up doing the right thing. And I don't want to do that, you see. But it's very hard to explain the real meaning. When we played in Los Angeles the last time, there was exactly that feeling because of the um, involvement in doing the soundtrack for Steve. We've got so many people from the film industry in that audience. I do love all of them. But what they would say if I tell them, okay, guys, you're always on the wrong side, you know, you're on the wrong trip. It's not the way it's supposed to be. You know? They would call me a little idiot. They wouldn't believe me. But it's, it's, it's a feel you have about it, you know, about a concert situation. On the other hand, it's a sort of music everybody should have the chance to get it, to listen to it, you know. I don't want to get prostituted, you know, by other people's meaning, which is mixing up the whole thing, you know, which is bringing the whole thing in a, in a, in a wrong form. That's all. It's the way it is. Um, I told you that the people that were going to be in this series, Stockhausen and Kraftwerk and Ultravox and Depeche Mode and Verez, Sabotnik, 
Where does where does Tangerine Dream fit in all that? Do you think? Cool. It's very hard to say. I do, of course, accept all of it, you know, because I see even in music, there is so much space there. People most say, okay, it's everything done. Now what we should do? Most the record industry thinks that way. I don't agree with that. Even with all the music, from the monophonic music in the mid-age to computerized music today, we just reach maybe five, six percent of what's possible. Even with computerized music. So there is so many things to come. So a huge field which has to be explored and sounds and music and using the inner space of creating new things that I would say after all these years, you still can sit down and just start building a new brand. So to your question, I would say all of that have their place and the place they work on, it's necessary to do. I mean, Ultravox has a specific range of audience. These audience is loving the band. They do and then for the consciousness of the audience Ultravox has, they're doing the right thing. For the consciousness of the audience that guy like Stockhausen has, he is doing the right thing, I believe. But even the consciousness people have who are following Tantra and Dream, we hopefully can do the right thing. So it's not that a musician should say, okay, I'm very good, but what's that guy over there is doing? Oh, it's a last branch. I mean, it's not the case. People who feel familiar with Archer Vox or with, with uh, Bowie or with Eno or with Stockhausen or with Beethoven, that's okay. There should be a reason why they feel familiar with these guys. I mean, they don't love a sort of music without any reason. It just reflects their consciousness. And if, if the whole country of England, it's loving punk music for a while, okay, it's all right, because it reflects their social situation, their consciousness. So that's okay. What to say about it? That's all right. What about when these people come and, and pass judgment on the music of Tangerine Dream? Tangerine Dream has sort of, with the advent of a new wave, yeah, like most new wave critics, yeah. when they review a Tangerine Dream album, they don't usually review it that favorite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, people can't, I mean, people who love new wave, they really get into it and they really feel the same vibration like the musician who produced new wave music. So um, that's all right as well. That people who are followers of what? I mean, you can count them all together in a sense of name in particular. But uh, people who love new wave music may not necessarily would follow Tangerine Dream, you know, for sure and the other way around. But there is no need doing it. And the followership people have who are involved in wave, new wave music is much bigger in the moment than people who would follow attention and read. You can talk for a while what, what the reason should be for that. Once again, it's just a matter of 
and the reflection you have consciously in them. It's stupid to press somebody to say, okay, Patty Smith, it's, it's worse, you know, it's really awful, but listen to Tension Dream, it's beautiful. If one would say that, it's stupid. It's really stupid because there are so many reasons why you become a follower of somebody. You, you can't just say, okay, one piece of music is bad, the other one is good. It depends on the situation, it depends on the mood, if depends on the personal structure of a human being, on the taste of the educational background. So many parameters, you know, that you just can say one thing once again. Every piece of music, every stream in music development has a right to be there because the reason why in music gets famous is that it reflects the consciousness of a huge amount of people. And that's what it is on about and what it was throughout the centuries. And uh, if one day a uh, music we just can a little bit talk about it right now will become very famous, may means that people have left that state of consciousness and reached a much higher mind, hopefully. Do you have anything you'd like to add? No. No? Do we cover everything? <laughs> I think Egafrosa is still sorely missed nearly nine years after his departure. I will have a few links for you in the posting for this podcast at echoes.org. One will take you to our 2020 documentary on Tangerine Dream. Another will go to our latest interview with the band in 2023. I will also link to our list of 10 Tangerine Dream albums to blow your mind. It's all at echoes, E-C-H-O-E-S dot org, O-R-G. If you want to ensure interviews like this in the Echoes podcast and the Echoes radio show continue, make a donation to Echoes on our website, echoes.org. Just hit the support tab. Once again, that's at echoes.org. You can also advertise in both places, so if you want your music, your art, or your products to reach our audience, Echoes is the best place to do it. Just go to echoes.org and hit the support tab. Once again, that's echoes, E-C-H-O-E-S dot org, O-R-G. Coming up this Thursday, I will be having our interview with Russell Walder. I'm John DiLiberto. This has been the Echoes Podcast from PRX. See you next week, tonight on the radio, somewhere in the country, or at Echoes Online right now or whenever you want. Mm-hmm.